alcohol. Waste of time. Why would you do that? It's a piece of piss. Would you like some attractively packaged food? <laughs> hey, would you yeah. like to compromise your looks? Hey, would you like a glass of mediocrity? Would you like a glass of broken dreams? Would you like a glass of just, you know, doing six out of 10 in your business this year? Would you like a glass of not being able to attract your dream partner this year? Yeah, would you like a glass? Hi, this is James Swanick. I'm the author of the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge. And if you want to be more intentional with your free time, then you should be listening to the Free Time Podcast with my friend, Carl Sona. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Now, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Free Time Podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Today's guest is a very, very special one, and it's none other than James Swanick. James has been someone I've followed for years now that I've really enjoyed from his former podcast titled The James Swanick Show. That was actually a top rated podcast that personally got me through countless hours of long car rides through Alabama back in the day for work to more importantly, being an Australian born healthpreneur who has combined his passion for health and happiness into a rock star lifestyle. James moved to the United States and became a TV correspondent for ESPN's Sports Center. You may have heard of it and went on to found a sleep company called Swanwick. And most recently, he's authored a book called The 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge, where he now focuses on helping people quit or reduce alcohol. James, welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. James, one of the reasons I really wanted you on the show was you appear to be quite comfortable in your own skin doing the unpopular thing and, and actually attaching your face to a message that feels true for you whether it's wearing your blue light blocking lenses before they were the popular thing to do, or I think I even saw a video on Instagram a while ago where you were walking around dressed as a beer <laughs> on a promenade approaching people. You seem just so comfortable behind the message that you're trying to bring to the world. 
how did you get so confident in doing what feels most real for you? And have you always been that way? Well, I think I was born an introvert, but learned how to become extroverted. And I think I learned that from my first significant job back in the early 1990s when I was a newspaper reporter for a Rupert Murdoch-owned broadsheet in Brisbane, Australia, where I grew up. And each day I would come in and I would go over to my chief of staff and he would assign me one or two stories to go and chase that day. And really I had about a 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. deadline in order to have both of those stories written and completed and submitted to the sub-editors each day. So, you know, talk about a baptism of fire. I started there when I was 17, just when I left high school as a copywriter. Um, And I went in there and each day I had to go and hit the phones and convince and persuade people to talk to me, to give me a quote so I could get the story. And so very quickly I learned the skill of just picking up the phone phoning someone if they said no or they couldn't help, then asking them a follow-up question like, who do you know who can help? Do you have their phone number? Then hanging up the phone, dialing the next number, calling again. And so I think I learned from that job as a newspaper reporter the confidence or I generated for myself the confidence to just put myself out there, to just pick up the phone, dial, talk to people, ask questions, persuade people to talk to me, persuade people to give me information that ordinarily, you know, maybe they would feel hesitant about and then ultimately write a story in the newspaper. And so later on, as that translates into my adult life, I love health and wellness. I love growth minded subjects and now dressing up as a beer, as you reminded me, like I dressed up as a I did a little comic video. I dressed up as a beer and I approached people on the Venice beach Broadway and um, or boardwalk rather and said, hey, you want to have a beer? And all these people were, were rejecting me from hugging me. Um, I, I think it's just that, you know, I, I think really it was me continuing to practice being an extrovert, even though naturally I, I'm an introvert. And it's a lot easier to practice being an extrovert when you believe in the things that you're doing. And for me, that is helping people reduce and quit alcohol, helping people quit drinking, and helping people live growth-minded lives. Yeah, that's a great story. I love how you frame it from the standpoint of practice extroversion. Like I think a lot of people are of the belief that you're either one or the other and that there is no, you know, shifting or pivoting. And so the idea of practicing it is quite novel. And it actually takes me to my next question, because when it comes to being extroverted, everybody always glorifies the extrovert. You know, they're the loud person at the bar. They're the life of the party. I think that people all too often rely on alcohol or other substances to give themselves that, that sort of fluidity, right? To be extroverted. Talk to us a bit about where you were in your life. Cause I believe now it's been about 10 years or so since you've had a, a sip of alcohol. Talk to us about where you were in your life and what your lifestyle was like. I think that'd be pretty fascinating because I know there's a lot of people right now, you know, trying to do dry April or whatever with, with quarantine. Yeah. But where were you at? At that time of life. Yeah, I haven't drunk in just over 10 years now. And I was never an alcoholic. I was just a societally acceptable drinker. Mm. I'd have a drink or two each night after work just to take the edge off and relax. I'd drink a bit more on the weekends, catching up with friends and watching football. But I, you know, it wasn't like I was getting DUIs or waking up in a ditch or anything like that. I was just, <laughs> you know, I was just a guy who was drinking 
how society said it was okay to drink. Yeah. And what I realized though, that after many years of doing this, let's call it 17 or 18 years of doing this, most of my adult life, I realized one day that I was living life at about a six out of 10. So it wasn't like I was rock bottom, but it was, everything was just kind of like blah. You know, my finances were blah, my relationships were blah, was, my sleep was blah, my looks were blah. I was just kind of like average, you know, like just average. And uh, I woke up one morning, I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh man, you just look a bit tired and weathered, James. You know, you put on a few few pounds. I had a little bit of belly fat going on, had a marshmallow face. <laughs> double chin was starting to form. It wasn't like I was obese. It wasn't even that I was fat. I was just carrying probably like 20 pounds more than what I should have, you know, or what, or what nature intended me to carry. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to give this a little shot here. I'm going to quit for 30 days and see what happens. And I did. I quit for 30 days and I lost 13 pounds of fat in 30 days. My skin got better. I slept better. An opportunity for me to land my dream job hosting a TV show came up and I auditioned for that show. It was Sports Center on ESPN and I became a, a Sports Center anchor on ESPN and I credit being alcohol free during that audition process to really helping me get the job. Mm. And then I just went at the end of 30 days, I went, ah, I feel pretty damn good here. I think, <laughs> I'll keep on. I think I'll just keep going and see what happens. Yeah. And then a month turned to three months, three months turned to a year, a year turned to 10 years. And now, you know, five years ago, I started this movement around the world where I help people quit for 30 days with this program I have named the 30 day no alcohol challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's helped about 20,000 people now. And now it's a thing, you know, who yeah. knew that just quitting for myself would turn into tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Quitting. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool, man. I think, I came across something that you were talking about where you're like, you were interviewing some big name actress in Hollywood. And I think it was right around the time that you were getting ready to quit. And you were like, ah, I was carrying all that extra weight and I had to like suck in my gut for a photo. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston. Man. Oh man. You know, how many guys dream about meeting Jennifer Aniston, you know, more or less having to try to suck in <laughs> to, oh, to yeah. a picture ready. So if that's not enough of a motivation, you know, what else is? So what would you say has been the biggest differentiator in your life, right? Going from a life living with alcohol to now a life living without alcohol that has really inspired you to take this movement to where it is. Like there must have been something that it really sparked for you that you're like, you know what? I need to now share this with other people and show them the way. Well, I've been not drinking for about five years and, you know, I felt good. I looked good. I was working out in the gym. I was eating lots of good, healthy food. I was happy and pleasant to be around. And people kept asking me, it's like, is it true that you don't drink? Like, how do you not drink? And then some people would say to me, like the morning after a party, they'd say, wow, you were drunk last night. You were having a great time. And I'm like, I don't drink. I wasn't drinking. And they're like, come on, you were drinking. I'm like, no, I wasn't. I don't drink. I'm completely alcohol free. And they were shocked because I was dancing on tables and, you know, having fun. And, and so people just kept asking me this all the time. And then I was literally, I was in the foyer of the Undoes Hotel on Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood with my friend Mark Dahmer. And we were sitting down having a glass of water in the uh, foyer. And uh, I said, you know what, people keep asking me about this not drinking thing. Maybe I should just start a program that helps people quit drinking for 30 days. And he said, yeah, 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 you should. So I got a napkin and a pen and I wrote out this plan for a 30-day 
no alcohol challenge. And then I shook his hand and I said, I commit to having this up and running and making my first sale within 30 days from now. And I shook his hand. And then 30 days later, which was on Super Bowl Sunday, 2015, I launched it and someone paid me $67 to buy it. And um, that was it. That was how it started. So I guess it was really from, from lots and lots of people asking me about it in seemingly impressed by the fact that I could have fun and socialize yeah. and do business and live life alcohol free. Um, that really kind of inspired me to along this path. Yeah. There's two things from that story. I really like one, you noticing that there was a recurring theme of people approaching you about, Hey, like, how are you not drinking alcohol? Like, I think that for a lot of people out there that want to be entrepreneurial or that want to do their own thing, that the way to do that is probably just to take an audit on your life. You know, what have you gone through that people are fascinated by or that people would love to learn more about that you can then share with others, right? That kind of whole concept of your mess becoming your message. And then two, I'm quite fascinated about how you just real quick put your business plan together on the back of the napkin and then shake your buddy's hand. Like, briefly touch on that. Was that just an accountability tactic for yourself or I've never really heard anybody say it quite that way. What was the psychology behind that? So it's the commitment. It's making a commitment. Look, how many times do we all, I'm guilty of this as much as the next person. How many times do we say we're going to do something and then we don't do it every day. And it can be little energy leaks as well. Like, um, I'll be downstairs in 10 minutes, but then you're downstairs in 12 or 13 minutes. Right. Or you say, yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. But then tomorrow comes and then you just put it off to the next day. And they're not these huge, big kind of inconsistencies, if you like, but they're inconsistencies nonetheless. And they're little energy leaks, little drip, 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 drip. Mm -hmm. And when we do that consistently, when these seemingly innocuous things, we start this thing in our mind of like, we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our own word. And then we become untrustworthy to other people because we're consistently doing these little energy leaks all the time. And before you know it, then you don't trust yourself with other people, let alone yourself. And now you just end up not trusting yourself. And so your commitments just become conversation, just these words that are flying out that don't mean anything. And so when I shake someone's hand, like I did with Mark on that occasion, I was making a firm commitment that I was going to do this no matter what. Mm. Otherwise, I was going to break my commitment. Yeah. Other people, people who join my program, I have a higher level program, which is like in the thousands of dollars to quit drinking, you know, for 90 days and beyond. When people pay that amount of money, they pay attention, right? That's a form of commitment mm. in and of itself. It's a sign of seriousness, right? It's like I'm going to invest the money to ensure that I do this very thing. As opposed to if it's free, it's very easy to break your word and break your commitment on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's where that confidence that we talked about earlier on in our conversation probably comes from as well too, I would imagine. So in your programs, you just mentioned your programs, you have people paying upwards of thousands of dollars to be coached by you, probably for accountability you know, and again, making that commitment, that exchange to actually stick with it. You've helped upwards of 20,000 people or so. There are a lot of people right now listening to this that are like, wow, that's a lot of people that 
have come to this man to have help around their drinking. And for those people that are listening to this right now that are going back and forth in their minds about, is this something I could benefit from? Do I maybe have a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol? You know, they're just sort of going back and forth trying to figure out if this is something that applies to them. I'm wondering if you can share a scenario or two, James, of the type of person that approaches you for help and, and what are their drinking behaviors typically like? Mm. So most of the people who come to me wanting help are in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s. People in their 20s don't tend to really, really want to get a hold of it. They kind of want to still go out and party and they think they're going to live forever and that's fair enough. I was doing the same thing in my 20s, right? But most of the people, late 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, they've been drinking for 20 years. It's caught up with them. They're 20 pounds, 30 pounds overweight. They have crappy relationships with their kids. They're not rock bottom. Maybe they have a fairly successful business, but they know that they're only operating at a six or a seven out of 10. And they know that they're capable of operating at an eight or a nine out of 10. I don't help people who feel like they're an alcoholic. Mm. Like I just lovingly refer them elsewhere. If, if they say that they're an alcoholic, I'm more about helping people who just know they're drinking too much. You know, they're, they're natural peak performers, but they just have this thing in the way of them performing at their peak. And so I help rewire their brain around alcohol so that they're powerfully choosing to be alcohol free versus like begrudgingly quitting alcohol. Yeah. Cause there's a heaviness there when people are like, ah, I'm not drinking versus I think you kind of talk about it more of like, it's a lifestyle choice. I don't know if you can quickly touch on that, yeah. that distinction. Yeah. Well, I always say to people don't like stop trying to quit drinking and start easily drinking water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of like if you're standing on a cliff face and there's rocks down below and someone says, don't jump versus stay where you are. Yeah. Like yeah. If, you, if, you, if the person says to you, don't jump, well, I think the chances of you jumping or falling down are higher than if someone says, stay where you are, right? Because the body and the brain responds to what you tell it to do, not what you tell it not to do. Mm. So if you say, for example, smoking, right? Let's just say cigarette smoking. I think that the quit smoking campaigns get it wrong for the most part because they tell people to quit smoking, right? It's like the quit campaign. I'm like, but if you tell people to quit smoking, that means you're telling them what not to do. But instead, if you just change it to just have them only ever breathe in fresh air, then they'll only ever breathe in fresh air, mm. right? Like if you set a rule, make a commitment to yourself from now on in, I only ever let fresh air into my lungs. That's my rule. Then you're not even thinking about the smoking. You're just thinking about breathing in fresh air. But if you say, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke, well, then, then you're thinking about smoking. Likewise with drinking, if you say, don't drink, don't drink, quit drinking, don't have a drink, don't drink tonight then you're thinking about drinking and you're more likely to drink. But if you just say, hey, I easily only drink water, just drink soda, water, ice, and a piece of lime. I only ever drink healthy liquids. I only ever drink soda water or green juices or I only ever drink, you know, healthy liquids. Then all of a sudden, you know, the brain gets it. The brain understands yeah. it. It's, in the, it's going in the right direction and you do that very thing. And then you just naturally don't ever drink again as opposed to, don't drink, don't drink. I'm in this prison because when you feel like that, you're always going to want to escape the prison. And then when you no. escape the prison 
it's a very slippery slope. Yep. Yep. So James, if you were a parent, I'm assuming you're not a parent from what I know, at least, would you tell your children don't drink? You know, even though the legal drinking age here in the States is 21, I'm not sure what it is in Australia where you are, but to this whole psychology of, you know, word reframing, would that be a stance that you would take? Like, hey, go ahead and drink, <laughs> even though you're not of legal drinking age, almost as a way to remove the temptation and the lure around the alcohol. I have a partner and she has a six-year-old son. And so I, I am a father, if not by biology, but if by, you know, kind of like a de facto relationship, I guess you might call it. And my partner doesn't drink. She doesn't drink and I don't drink. And neither of us care to drink. And so her son grows up seeing us not drink. And so I think the easiest way to educate him on that is just to be the best version of ourselves as much as we can. Now, if he mm. or any of my future offspring ever ask me about it, about alcohol, or even if they don't ask me about it, they're probably going to know how I feel about it. And it'll just be like, I don't even think about it. Yeah. And if someone asks me a direct question about it, I'd just say alcohol. Mm -hmm. Waste of time. Why would you do that? It's a piece of piss. Would you like some attractively packaged <laughs> Would you like to sleep poorly tonight? Hey, would you yeah. like to uh, compromise your looks? Hey, would you like to cost yourself thousands of dollars this year? Hey, would you like a glass of mediocrity? Hey, would you like a glass of broken dreams? Would you like a glass of just, you know, doing six out of 10 in your business this year? Would you like a glass of not getting that promotion this year? Would you like a glass of not being able to attract your dream partner this year? Yeah, would you like a glass? That's fascinating because I don't think there's anybody that thinks about it from that context. And what you've done there is it's a real quick, small flip. But I think that the issue really comes from the standpoint of, A, nobody's thinking or talking about it that way, which is why I really do like your message, even though it can be a bit controversial just from society standpoint. And two, you know, I think that a lot of us fail to realize how society has normalized alcohol consumption. <laughs> like the fiber of being social is almost married with alcohol consumption. So that to me is a very strong thing to overcome. What do you foresee the future, the landscape around recreational drinking since, you know, we're not focusing on the alcoholics and socializing being like, do you foresee that changing with people like yourself coming into the space of trying to help people think about alcohol consumption from a detrimental standpoint? Or do you think that things will kind of remain what they are for, you know, a relatively long time? Well, look, as we're recording this, we're in, you know, COVID-19 is happening, right? Like coronavirus has changed the world and stuff. Alcohol consumption has increased dramatically, right? Alcohol consumption increases in a recession. In an economic recession, alcohol consumption increases because there are more people who are wanting to numb the pain of their life, of their financial woes and of their situations, of their stress and anxiety. So in actual fact, things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse in terms of people's alcohol consumption in the coming months and years for as long as we have this, uh, you know, recession, COVID-19 inspired recession. Okay. Having said that, there is a seismic shift still happening generally in the world where people are finally opening their eyes up to the dangers and health ramifications of alcohol. There is a, uh, a worldwide movement, albeit not like a, 
monster thing, not enough to like eliminate alcohol, obviously, but there is a worldwide movement of people now who are championing the idea that alcohol-free living is a lot better than alcohol living. Even if you are just a societally acceptable drinker, even if you just have a drink on occasion here or there, there is a movement of people being able to demonstrate that just being completely alcohol-free is a hundred times better. I mean, (laughs) so you look, I wish it wasn't the case, but alcohol consumption is going to go up. I mean, quite frankly, it's good for my business. Yeah, I was just going to say. (laughs) Uh, Put some money in your pockets. The more people are drinking and more people with health drinking issues, more people are going to come to me for help. So, okay, let's go. I mean, I always said it's a recession-proof business, but I would be absolutely thrilled if this movement continues and people started to wake up to the fact that all alcohol is, is attractively packaged poison. Mm. And society convinces us all the freaking time, excuse my French, that it's just normal. It's something that we should go, ah, oh, drink. And all these smiling assassins are coming at us all the time. Hey, you want a drink? Can I get you a drink? Hey, would you like a drink? And they're just smiling as they're handing you this attractively packaged poison. And so people are finally waking up to the fact that we've been in a matrix, you know, this kind of like con job that alcohol is yeah. fun and enjoyable and creates bonds and romance and yeah. you can have fun and create romance and have bonds without the alcohol. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you there, but James, isn't there still a fear or a shame that people that are waking up to the matrix, right? Even those that are waking up, isn't there still like a fear or a shame associated with what life may be like without alcohol just because they're coming from years and years of alcohol consumption. I mean, you're helping people in their 30s, their 40s. You hear the whole idea of how do you teach an old dog new tricks? And I wonder how much of that adage comes from a loss of identity, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. that people probably feel may happen. Yeah. It's Talk like you're about. breaking up with a partner, a long-term yeah. partner. It's like you've been in a marriage that hasn't been serving you and now you, it's tough to let go, right? Because there's a source of comfort there. There's a TV show on Netflix called Afterlife with Ricky Gervais and he, he was talking about in one of the episodes that sadness about his wife dying, uh, not Ricky Gervais, the, the actor, but the character that Ricky Gervais plays, his character's wife dies and he's very sad all the time and he's saying after a while you become addicted to the sadness, mm-hmm. right, because it's a source of comfort because yeah. if you got rid of the sadness, who would you be? You'd be lost because your whole identity would crumble. Mm-hmm. And I get it with the drinking. It's like you've been a drinker since you were 16 or 17 years old. You've been drinking mm-hmm. at parties or it's business deals or at the end of the day. And so the idea of actually letting that go is tough. It's challenging. It's scary because it's like you're letting yeah. go of this crush that you had. So I get it. Yeah. And at the same time, take a leap of faith, like change it, mm-hmm. make the change because otherwise let me tell you this, it's going to cost you a lot more in finances, health, love and happiness to stay the way you are than the short-term inconvenience or pain or shock to the system of going alcohol-free. It's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars and lost financial opportunities. It's going to cost you your marriage or your relationship with your kids. It's going to cost you your looks. It's going to cost you your health. It's going to cost you your energy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I get breaking up's hard. If it wasn't hard, nobody would break up, right? Like, like. <laughs> yeah, you just got to let it go sometimes. Dr. Joe Dispenza is a guy that I read a lot about, and he talks about how 
we can actually become addicted to low power emotions like sadness that you just brought up that actually keep us living in the past. And that the way to actually move forward is to choose higher powered emotions that we can attach ourselves to in order to actually choose something different that allows us to move forward. And so, and he teaches this from the context of, of guided meditation and breath work. And so I think that there's something to be said there from that standpoint of, you know, what you were just saying with your analogy around the breakup. And to that end, I'd like for you to offer a couple of baby steps that people can take if they're curious about, all right, you know what, done the alcohol thing for a while. It's gotten me this, it's blah. Like I'm wanting to choose something different. How can someone get started in no time in today, even if that was the case? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of little free things that you can do just on your own. And then I'll direct you to program that I have if you want some more help. But in the beginning, I would say, choose your language. Do not say I'm going to quit alcohol. Just do say like for the next 30 days, I'm going to commit to only drinking healthy liquids. That's it. Love it. Um, Second thing would be get rid of visual cues of alcohol from your home. So just get alcohol out of your home, pour it out, throw it away. If you've got corkscrews or bottle openers, throw them away. If you've got wine glasses, give them away or hide them, put them in the garage, do something. Get rid of the visual cues of alcohol that make you think about alcohol and replace them with healthy visual cues like um, glass mason jars. Put glass mason jars around your home. Fill them with water. Every time you see a glass mason jar, drink water. Mm. Buy yourself a bouquet of flowers. You can see in my my thing behind me, I have flowers and plants and things like that. because that reminds me of health and vitality. It helps to keep me on track. It helps me to make healthy choices. Coaching, community, fun, accountability, and investing in yourself are the five pillars that help my clients make breakthroughs with their drinking. You gotta have a coach who can coach you through it because they'll help you get there faster because I got no doubt that you'll be able to quit drinking. It just might take you 10 years to do it. So a coach helps you go faster, Accountability holds you accountable to your word, has someone checking in with you. Community means do it with like-minded people. If you try to do it on your own, statistically you'll fail probably. But if you have like-minded people doing the same thing, your chances of succeeding increase. Uh, It has to feel like fun and aspirational. If it feels like you're in a prison, you'll want to break out of prison and then you'll start drinking again. And then five is unless you invest in yourself, that means you pay for a program, you pay a coach, you buy something, the accountability field starts to fall by the wayside and now you, it's very easy for you to cut corners again. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you invest and you put, you know, you have skin in the game, you're more likely to see that through. So anyway, there's a program named the 30-Day No Alcohol Challenge. If you go to 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com, that's really the first start, the baby step in terms of working with me. It's very cost-effective. It's less than 100 bucks. You can do it. It's fun. There's a Facebook group. I'll send you a video a day for 30 days and help you out. And then if you really want to like kickstart your life, there's a 90 day and beyond program, but that's another thing altogether. Really. Yeah. You can just reach out to me at my Instagram at, at James Swanick or send me an email at James at James Awesome. And guys, I will have all of those linked in the show notes here below. Definitely please go check out James's website, jameswanick.com. I've kind of browse a couple of the videos and he has several testimonials from people that he's helped quit or reduce alcohol. And they all seem to be having a ball. I must say, I think that the biggest hurdle for people to overcome is that they probably are thinking or feeling 
that their life's going to be no fun anymore. And so it's really cool to see people that are completely sober, you know, talking with energy, being vivacious and just really happy and fulfilled with where they are in their lives post giving up alcohol. So that's awesome. James, we're coming up on time, but I'd like to pivot into our random round. Five quick questions just to kind of have some fun with you and get the audience to better understand who you are. Cool? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome, man. First question, what's your favorite activity to do in your free time now that you've probably got a lot more of it on your hands with COVID-19 quarantine? Uh, I love to I love to work out in the gym or go running. I've started running again recently. You can follow me on the Strava app because I track my runs and it comes up in that app. But yeah, I love to lift weights and run. So I would just say any form of exercise is super fun. But apart from that, if you're interested in hobbies and stuff, I follow Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in the English Premier League. I follow the Denver Broncos in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I like, uh, I like Sunday afternoons just walking around a park and you know seeing kids play and sitting down on the grass and things like that. Awesome, man. If you're ever in Denver, we'll have to go for a, a 14er for a hike up here and maybe catch a Broncos game. <laughs> Let me know. Um, second question. I ask this of every guest. So imagine potential was a physical location on a map that you could travel to, James. What would be more enjoyable to you? Would it be the journey there, however you had to get there, or would it be just arriving in and of itself? Well, it's always the journey because... Um you know, I've achieved things and it's felt awesome, but it's the, the feeling is fleeting. So it kind of feels awesome for a little while. And then it's almost like you got to go again. So every win is almost like a failure in the end, because like you get there, it feels amazing for like a day or, or a week or something. And then it's like, uh, I got need something else. So human beings are just built to always want to be going on journeys and always be striving for something else. So I think we really get to appreciate the journey along the way. I love it, man. What's the most delicious non-alcoholic drink, excuse me, you'd recommend to somebody wanting to go alcohol-free this weekend? I mean, I just love water or soda water, ice, and a piece of lime. Either one. Like, I love, I love the ice. I love the soda water and the bubbles, and I like um, the lime. The lime is what really makes it. Without the lime, it's kind of like, eh, it's all right, but I love the lime. So that's my favorite non-alcoholic drink. Love it, man. What's one empowering quote that you'd like to leave with the audience today? Just do it and do it now. Yeah. Um, Action. Yeah, just do it. Like, I mean, I'm still guilty of this. I'm not guilty in it many ways. I'm pretty good at taking action. I'm very good at taking action, quite frankly, but there's still some things where I feel internal resistance to and I drag my feet and take forever on. So, Mm. but the best advice really is just do it and do it now. Awesome, brother. Last but not least, I'm really big on visualization. I believe that, you know, anything we hope to manifest in our lives starts off as an idea, a clear idea with a great intention behind it. So where do you see yourself in six to nine months, James, with that premise in mind? It could be personal, professional, spiritual, whatever. Probably be following up with you before then, but I'd like to hopefully see you exceed what it is you're getting ready to share with us here. Yeah. Well, I think with my alcohol business, I'll very much be the owner of it rather than the operator of that because I'm still an operator of that business. But I think six to nine months, you said I'll, I'll be the owner of it and I'll have people in place who are running that business and helping people quit alcohol. I think I will have purchased a business, so bought a business. My goal for 2020 was to buy a business, however big or however small. Mm. Um, and then health-wise, it is to 
get my cholesterol level down considerably because I have high cholesterol and it's been going down the last six months since I've been making some dietary changes. And then I think a goal that's always felt challenging for me has to consistently meditate. You talked mm. about Joe Dispenza before and the power of meditating. I meditate, but I don't do it consistently. And so I, I think consistently meditating will be a goal for me. Love it, James. Thank you for sharing, man. I just want to say that I admire you because you're actually an individual that's living your truth. You're out here, you know, helping and showing people how to quit alcohol and you're actually staying alcohol free. I know that there's a lot of people that claim to be coaches and or gurus that are teaching people something that they themselves don't abide by. So keep it up, James. We'll catch you in the next one, man. Carl, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me. And I can't wait to see you there.